back to Happy Porch Radio, the podcast for ambitious agency leaders. This season is all about Umbraco, the friendly CMS. Join your host, Barry O'Kane, as he talks to web agency leaders and Umbraco experts about the challenges and opportunities that a specific technology like Umbraco brings to our agencies. Welcome to episode 15 of season 2 of Happy Porch Radio. Season 2 is all about Umbraco, and sadly we are nearly at the end of the season. But fortunately, we have two, well actually three, amazing guests on the show this week. We are continuing our journey with two very different conversations from two Umbraco-focused agencies. Shortly, we'll hear from Mark Mars, who founded the agency Perceptive Flow. But first, I spoke to Josh and Catherine, who are project manager and front-end dev, respectively, in an agency called ProWorks. Josh and Catherine share their perspective and learnings from working at the coalface within ProWorks, and plus they talk about a presentation they made discussing WordPress and Umbraco at this year's U-West Fest Umbraco Festival. And one of the really valuable aspects of this conversation for me is the emphasis that they put on the editor experience. So let's meet Catherine and Josh. My name is Josh Seifert. I'm a project manager at ProWorks. I've been here just coming up on one year. This is actually my first role in a web development agency. I've previously had project management experience in other fields, so I'm very new to the Umbraco world, but I've very much enjoyed working with ProWorks. We get to work with a, a, a huge breadth of different kinds of companies, and it really has shown me how applicable Umbraco is to a great number of sites. I'm really enjoying it so far. And of course, the brilliant developers. And so my name is Catherine Stevens, and I do front-end development at ProWorks. I've been here for almost three years, and yeah, it's great. We get to, yeah, like Josh said, we have a bunch of different types of clients, like government and small businesses and larger businesses, and it's just nice to see all the customization that you can do with Umbraco and how you can make it really fit what the client wants. So... Let's first of all just talk a little bit about ProWorks. So you've both been, you've sort of talked about the breadths and different types of clients and, uh, that you work on. Can you sort of talk a little bit about what ProWorks does and the types of projects that you do? Sure. ProWorks is an Umbraco Gold partner. They've been working on Umbraco sites since Umbraco 4. I don't know exactly what year, but uh, for, for, for many, many years. And we're a full-service web agency. We do everything from design to development to marketing. And really, we've worked on just tons of different sites, everything from one-man shops to enterprise-level sites, some government sites. And uh, we really get to enjoy uh, interacting with a variety of clients. Yeah. And I was just going to say, we've also done like where things where we are the first agency or the first developers that the company looks at. Like We make the site from scratch, and we've also done a lot of sites that we get from other agencies, whether it's an Umbraco agency or they're trying to... We've gotten a lot of like kind of hand-me-down websites, and so that's also really interesting to see how other agencies and developers, you know, do their code, and it's just really awesome to get to see all sorts of different types of things. Mm, yeah, that's really interesting. Might just dig into that in a moment as well. That that sort of the hand-me-down sites or transfer sites. So, is ProWorks exclusively on Braco? I would not say exclusively. That is our bread and butter. So we will we will occasionally do 
one-off work for maybe for sites that used to be on a Brocco and switched to another CMS. And we've done some work outside of content management systems entirely, but a Brocco is at least 90% of what we do. And would you say ProWorks is like, how, where's the, is the team evenly split between, you know, the front end, the marketing and all the different pieces? Or would you say there's a particular strength within the team or within ProWorks? I think we're definitely more towards the developer side. We only have actually one designer and within development, probably a little bit more towards the back end. So I'd like to go back to what you were just saying, Catherine, about sites that are, you've inherited from other places. Can you talk a little bit about if you've had any interesting, as in interesting negative experiences or interesting as in really positive you've learned, you know, you've uh, talk a little bit about that experience of inheriting something from some some other developers or agencies? Yeah, so I don't know, it's been kind of, sometimes it's like a mixed bag, like a lot of times we'll get sites that kind of will mimic what we've done in a way and it can kind of help us figure out kind of good practices or bad practices like I don't know in terms of you know creating custom like extension methods and that sort of thing kind of to try to like I guess it's 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 really helpful with figuring out what works and what doesn't work because sometimes you'll get a a project where the devs you know tackled something with a certain approach that we've thought about doing or you know shied away from doing and Either it works really well for them or it doesn't, and then we can kind of look at that and see, oh, that didn't work because of X, Y, Z, or that really worked because of X, Y, Z, and kind of learn from that. So it's it's just nice when, with like the sharing aspect. Okay, so can you talk a little bit about the story of how you got to the point where you were presenting at UFest West about this topic? And then we can maybe talk about some of the specifics you talked about. Sure. The idea for the presentation came from our experiences living in in a WordPress galaxy. We have very often experienced working with clients who uh, you can tell their expectations are molded by WordPress. If we are so lucky that they have technical experience at all, oftentimes it'll come from something like running a blog or something much smaller scale. So when... Uh, they are comparing that to a, a corporate site with a much more fully featured uh, content management system. They, they very often don't have an accurate understanding of of what it takes to make you know a, a modern custom site. Uh, they have these conceptions of you know, styles are equivalent to themes. You can just pick one out of a box and install it, and it will just will work perfectly for whatever kind of complex data you're trying to show on your site, or if you need any kind of custom functionality, there's going to be some package. You can just you know pluck off some repository and, and plug it in with a couple of mouse clicks, and it will integrate seamlessly. And, and that's not reality, but uh, that is the expectation that we are faced with as an Umbraco agency. And so uh, we've, we've taken just calling that you know the WordPress mindset. I liked as well. I mean, I had to, I wasn't lucky enough to be there and, and, and see and hear your presentation, but I've been looking at the slides that you shared, which I'll, by the way, link in the show notes to this episode. But I thought it was interesting that you started talking about that sort of base-level technical understanding of the users. Um, is that if I understood that correctly? Yes, that that was actually a a, a big starting point for the for the theme of that presentation. When I read that, it was it was eye-opening. And so, well, can you share that with us and talk a little bit about it? 
Sure. So uh, I, I found that uh, report online and it was, it was truly eye-opening to me. It put a lot of things in perspective for why we had all of this difficulty conveying the effort needed to build uh, complex corporate sites. And to put it simply in one sentence is you know, we overestimate other people's technical literacy. Now, when you're in the web world, and I'm pretty sure everyone who is listening to this podcast falls near the very top uh, echelon of technical understanding. But when you're when you're in the tech world, your perspective is skewed. Even if you have a less technical role in a web agency, like I said, I'm a project manager. I'm not a I'm not a developer. But when you're surrounded by developers, it's easy to create this false dichotomy. Think there's the technical, and then there's the non-technical. And me, I'm not technical. I swear some of these people, you know, think in binary. But that's that's not reality. Certainly compared to the developers, I may not be in a especially technical person, but compared to the population at large and compared to the people with whom I often speak with or clients, I know a lot more than them about how their websites work. And that's not a slight against them. Their skill sets are, are just elsewhere. So we need to be just eternally cognizant of that fact that we cannot be too simple. We cannot be too explicit when communicating what we can do for their site, what Umbraco can do. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> and it's really interesting uh, what you're describing there, even more so from a developer point of view, making day-to-day decisions and making almost unconscious assumptions about the type, the, what your editors and users are doing. Do you have any examples of how that, you know, you would translate that thought process or that being awareness of that into, you know, actually the processes uh, of building the site? Yeah, so that's one thing that we talked about in our presentation. We have a couple slides just dedicated to, for each of the, like, kind of topics that we talked about, because we've broken into three sections. And the one that I think kind of most resonates with what you were asking is the back office section, which is basically how do you, as the people working on creating the site, how do you structure it and what do you put in, you know, the property editor um, descriptions or the yeah the property descriptions and what do you do to make it kind of there be kind of like a roadmap in the back office for the for the clients and so some of the things that you can do is you know adding adding really detailed descriptions like don't hold back in that regard you know you might think it's fairly obvious if the title is you know square image that they need to put in a put in you know a square image but they might just overlook that and so you want to be detailed and I guess just see what's out there like there's help packages there's things where you can have you know fly out help for doc types and pages and I guess just try to think of it from the client's point of view and think like okay if I'm just coming in here once a week putting something in and something changes am I going to know what to do with that am I going to know where to look for certain things the mindset we adopt when considering back office usability is we want an intern at one of our clients' companies to be able to come in on day one and understand how to change the site. It needs yeah. to be that simple. And if it is not that simple, then you know, there's risk that someone somewhere down the line is going to misunderstand it. Okay, so moving on to talk then about WordPress. And what I thought was interesting is you start off with making the point that rather than talking about WordPress, but specifically, but talking about how WordPress affects how people 
uh, you know, their experiences and their expectations. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how you sort of talked, you presented that in that presentation? Yeah, so we kind of broke it up into, well, basically our thought was, what are the aspects of a WordPress experience, like the experience of working on a WordPress site that are different from working on an Embarco site? Because, you know, like deployments, like we don't do WordPress development, so we don't know how, you know, WordPress deployments are from, you know, on a real WordPress site, not just a little blog. So we basically narrowed it down to the themes, you know, how WordPress has themes that you can just plug in, which is basically the front end, how it looks, and then the widgets, which is probably, well, from 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 my standpoint, one of WordPress's, like, biggest, like, aspects and, like, reasons why people would, would choose WordPress. And, you know, because Embraco has maybe a couple hundred packages and WordPress has... I don't know, many more. And so we basically had those and then we had the back office and we basically went and thought to ourselves like, okay, so what's, so with the pre-made themes, like what are the benefits to that and what are the drawbacks to that? You know, the benefits are, it depends on what type of site you're making. You know, if you're making a little blog where you're not changing the theme very much, you're not having like a staging site and a dev site and a live, you know, and all these environments, that can be fairly fairly straightforward. You just add it in and it, it works. But, you know, when you're working on a more complex site where you're customizing it or you need a custom design, starting off with the with the with the idea that you can just put a theme in and then change it isn't gonna work very well. You know, it's it'll work much better to just do it from scratch and so that's kind of what we talked about, you know, the benefits of doing it from scratch versus, you know, coming in and just plugging in a theme. And the idea is that, you know, us as the devs, like, we know this, you know, we're not going to go in and advise our clients to, you know, put in a theme and then have us change it. We're going to say, hey, we should just do this from scratch. But the client doesn't necessarily know that. And so it's kind of just guiding them and telling them why it's might not work the way they think it would work. I have a great analogy for this. I don't think you've actually heard this one, Catherine, but this is a, this is an analogy that I use when I'm talking to clients about why why custom is is better. Uh, and I think it's been pretty successful. This kind of uh, gets back to the idea about technical literacy. Trying to explain it from a purely technical standpoint is not very effective. So the sillier the analogy you can use, the better. And what I like to uh, use to describe it is furniture. So pretend you're shopping for furniture. WordPress is you decide you need a recliner and you want to get it for as little money as possible. So you see an ad for a yard sale and you go to that yard sale and you see the chair that you want, but the person who's running the yard sale says you can only buy it in a set with all this other living room furniture. And you look at the recliner and it's okay. It's a little bit ratty, not exactly the style you're looking for, but it's, you know, it'll do and it's only 10 bucks. So you try and buy it from a person who's running the sale and they say, okay, well, it only comes in a set, so you have to take all this other stuff too. And so you say, okay, fine. So you haul all that stuff home to your one bedroom apartment. And so you barely have room to even turn around, but you got it and it was cheap and it was okay. Well, uh, Umbraco is going to a furniture store and having the gamut of options and being able to pick out your fabric, pick out your color, have it delivered to you. 
And uh, I think this is a helpful analogy for a couple of reasons. It doesn't shy away from the fact that doing a custom solution is going to be more expensive upfront because it is. And I think uh, we need to be honest about that. Sometimes for some clients, the cheapest option is uh, appropriate, but it also uh, demonstrates how much uh, excess clutter you can get if you go the quote unquote WordPress uh, approach. You can sometimes find the functionality you want but it'll often be bundled in these massive packages that just cram so much other stuff into your site that any benefit you get from the one feature you did want is negated by all the bloat. And so if you can think of someone sitting in their ratty old yard sale recliner in the middle of their living room with all this excess furniture hanging around, I think that, or at least I hope, uh, that creates a good visual in some of our clients' minds for why they really do want to go the custom route. I love a good analogy, and that's really brilliant. And is that the sort of, I mean, uh, you, you talk about using analogies like that when you're speaking to clients. Do you find that you get, like, is that a challenging or has that been a challenging conversation where the clients or the people you're speaking to have very clear, we want to use WordPress, kind of they come with that mindset? Or is it an easier process where you're able to say, actually, for your situation, this is better because of these reasons? Uh, fortunately, by the time they get to me, they've already settled on Umbraco, so I don't have to sell Umbraco as a you know, as a CMS. But uh, and this is especially true when there will be, for example, a shakeup in one of our clients. So we may have a new point of contact and maybe new marketing people, and if they're not familiar with Umbraco, we have to kind of. St- start all over and explain the benefits of Mbraco again. And, and sometimes though, we do run into people who say, okay, I want the absolute cheapest option right now. I hear you when you say that this is not best for the long-term health of my site, but I want it in half a week and we have X dollars to spend. And so do whatever it takes to get it in that time frame and that price point. And so after issuing a laundry list of disclaimers, we say, okay, you know, if you sign off on all that, we'll do it. And sometimes you can't help people, you can't stop them from shooting themselves in the foot. Yeah, that's interesting. But as you say, communicating like that and managing their expectations and sort of being upfront and honest. I also liked what you said about being upfront and honest about costs and things, you know, making that. So it's not like trying to use the technology to pull the wool over somebody's eyes or something. It's just explaining in in language that they understand. Sure. And and I'm not trying to say that WordPress is bad. It's great. Uh, It wouldn't be so popular if it it didn't fit any circumstances. And it is cheap. And like I said, by the time people come to us, they've already settled on Umbraco. So hopefully their budget for their site is appropriate for a platform like that. But being upfront about the costs is a great way to make sure that people's expectations are realistic. Now, and you mentioned upfront costs, and you also mentioned that you do, or at least some of your clients are on retainers. Do you think that is is something else that you talk about or something else that is impacted in this kind of communication process that you're talking about? Yeah, well, I think Josh will probably have more to say on the retainer part, but I know that I've heard, I think we've had a couple clients who either from like you know, yeah, marketing change. They're like they're still retainer clients, but the marketing leadership changes, and so then they come in and they're wondering, should we stay on Umbraco? Like, is it? Or they are a new person and they don't know how to use the back office very well, and they get frustrated. So, yeah, I mean, it's definitely important to keep up with that sort of stuff, even if they're a retainer client, and not just kind of think, oh, they're a retainer client, so they know us and they know Umbraco, and so you know, we're adding a new functionality. 
you, you know, you still want to keep in mind how they're thinking about it. Well, and there's yeah. always new stuff coming out. Uh, yeah. I read Umbraco blogs. I do not expect the director of marketing at company Y to read Umbraco blogs. They have plenty of other things to do. So they may not know about right. some cool yeah. new feature. Like just, just recently, one of our one of our, our biggest clients, we started introducing uh, the Umbraco grid on their site, and that's been out for, what, about two and a half years now, I think. And in retrospect, it's like, well, why didn't we do this sooner? And the answer was, you know, we didn't tell them about it, so they didn't know. And again, that's just us assuming that because we're in our little Umbraco world that everyone knows as much about it as we do. But of course they don't. That's, you know, that's why we are the agency. So we need to be extolling the benefits of Umbraco, whether it's someone new who is building an Umbraco site for the first time or it's someone who's been on the platform for years and years to iterate that there's always room for improvement there's always new ways that your site is becoming better yeah that's a really good point because as the people who work with umbraco yeah it's easy to get in this bubble and you know stay in it and not remember that other people don't know as much about like, like they're not following the blogs they're not and as you say, it's not it's not like it's their responsibility because their skill sets and their job is something else and, and you're bringing that expertise to the table. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah, like we educate ourselves, you know, within the office. We're like, oh, hey, this new thing happened, you know, let's try this out. But sometimes we forget to tell the clients about it or, or we'll think, oh, this might be good for this client, but then we just don't mention it to them. So what else in, your, in that presentation that you did at UFest West do you think that you would summarize to somebody to like what are the key points, particularly when thinking about WordPress v. Umbraco? I think, so the key points would be, like regardless of how you go about, like so the, basically the presentation had a lot of like concrete, you know, actionable things that you can do as an agency, <clears throat> but kind of the overall like idea that you want to think about is, once again with this role playing thing, like try to, get in the mindset of of the client and or of a less technical user like like someone who's not as aware of Embraco and the things you can do with it and just try to make it so that their experience seems safe and that might seem a little basically what I mean by safe is like you want to make them feel you know secure and safe using the back office and like they they're comfortable you know so that they're just they feel good about it, and and the way you do that is by adding things to the back office or structuring things certain ways or using certain packages, talking to them with certain language and kind of just being reassuring to them and, like Josh keeps saying, like extolling the benefits. You can find out more about the agency where Josh and Catherine work at proworks.com. And I'll link to the slides from their presentation in the show notes on happyporchradio.com. Next, I have the honour of introducing Mark Mars, who founded the agency Perceptive Flow. Mark shares the story of his agency and shares some really valuable insights. We also touched on one of my favourite topics, ongoing support and retainers. So let's meet Mark. Okay, yeah, my name's Mark Mars um, from uh, an agency called Perceptive Flow. We're about four years old now. 
Our main focus is uh, web design branding and also content marketing, and it's pretty much a 50-50 split in the agency in that respect. And we selected Umbraco um, as a, the, the CMS of choice. Uh, you know, at the time it seemed to be the most popular one around, and yeah, you know, we loved it from the day we started working with it. And it, you know, as a product, it's gone from strength to strength. The community has gone from strength to strength. So um, we're pretty happy with the choice we made, and yeah, we, yeah, our, our clients love it too, especially since. Uh, version 7 came out and the you know, a much nicer interface kind of sells itself. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Version 7's a step change. So tell me a little bit about like the birth of the agency and uh, and, the, uh, for, and the, I guess the story of the uh, how, how you've grown over and how things have developed over the last four years. Yeah, so I guess his birth came about in the fact that you know, I was working for a major corporate in Microsoft. Kind of felt like I got to the end of the road with that wanted to do my own thing, master of my own destiny a little bit. Uh, and, and also, I guess I had a kind of more creative side. The role that I did at Microsoft was very much a very technical role, um, working as an application development consultant, but generally sort of create, helping build grey, boring, functional applications for banks. Whereas, you know, you know I've, I've, I'm much more creative than that, and I've always done some, you know, web design and stuff on the side myself, painted in my spare time and things like that. So I wanted to do something creative, and and kind of, I think I just got to the point in my life where I wanted to be, uh, be master of my own destiny, and, uh, and that. So I kind of, I guess we naturally started with web design, but you know, SEO was, uh, I got quite into quite quickly for from you know the logical mind point of view, I guess. And you know, once you open that door into digital marketing, then it just becomes a world of its own. So um, quickly, you know, people want to rank in Google, and then they want you know everything else. And so you know, we've, we've brought people on, and we've uh, got. You know, got up to speed in, in those areas as well yeah it sort of becomes uh, is, um, you know, major part of our business as well now the content marketing side and so umbraco you've you, you said you started you basically that was like one of the in terms of the technology that was an early decision yeah i mean like from day one um so i guess i knew about umbraco already and, and used it a little bit whilst i was at microsoft not a huge amount but i was you know ha- having gone to uh, microsoft conferences and partner conferences and that you know i was aware of um and Braco. And around about the time Microsoft had their own one, which I can't remember now <laughs> what it was called. But and it's still I think it still exists rough somewhere, but do you remember what that, what that was called? Orchard, is that the one you're thinking of? Orchard, yeah, that was it. Which kinda of looked nice, but I don't think, you know, it was you know, it wasn't it wasn't established at the time. I don't know what it's like now. But it was certainly wasn't established at the time, whereas Umbraco had been around for a while and had already been through a few iterations and seemed pretty solid. Yeah, and so, yeah, like using it from, from the word go, really. Um, so, yeah, I was already aware of it, but that, yeah, literally from the beginning, yeah, the, the very first website we did was in, in Umbraco, So And then it's the, is it the only platform or CMS tool that you use, or do you use others as well? It's 99%, like almost, almost entirely. We've done a couple of simple WordPress sites that don't require too much, yeah, delving too much into PHP and stuff like that. So something simple we've done when people have, you know, absolutely insisted that it must be WordPress. But like I say, since 7 came out, we can normally, if people have got a, a technology in mind, we can pretty much sell Umbraco to them anyway by showing them the demo because I think it's the fear that they won't know how to use it. When we show them how easy it is actually to use and navigate around, that kind of alleviates that fear. So we've, we've dabbled with the idea of moving into doing some site core work and which is kind of a, in a different proposition, I guess, to Umbraco. 
and more expensive. <laughs> but uh, we've been, we've, there's others that we thought about, but always, always Microsoft technologies. But I mean, generally, as if as, uh, you know, if it's a standard CMS that we want, then Umbraco would be our first choice. And I wouldn't even really, right now, I wouldn't really look anywhere, anywhere else. But obviously, with the marketing platforms and other stuff that uh, that Sitecore offers, then you know, we've considered considered starting to do that. I mean, as we're growing as an agency, we're taking on bigger and bigger clients, so we're getting to the point where actually they do want something like that. Maybe we haven't, you know, we haven't t- t- taken on any, any yet. But the types of businesses we're working with now are a lot bigger than the ones that were, I guess, you know, four years ago when we started. So to touch back on something else you said there about Umbraco and, the, and using a demo to sell itself. When you're in that situation where you're I don't know, pitching or proposing or, or, or looking at a, a new client for a new project, how big a part in the conversation, do, you know, do you put Umbraco or the technology front and centre or do you focus or do you come, you know, do you have a, sli- a different focus on that initial, on those initial conversations? I mean, really the conversations around their solution and what we want to achieve and then you know, Umbraco does play a more of a part than it used to. We, I mean, we've always mentioned it. Because you know, people, I guess, even even the people that don't really have a choice, kind of, or don't really, you know, had, haven't come to us with a with a uh, technology choice. It's better to know early on that they that they want something that they all they care about is WordPress than find out later on the line when you spent a lot of time and effort going through the pitch and things. So we do. We've always I've always brought it up, but now I guess you know since Seven came out, I say. I guess in the past, my fear was always that, you know, when we're pitching, I'd sort of mention Umbraco and they'd be like, who, what? You know, you know it's, not, it's not one that's instantly recognisable you know, just because of you know, the size of the, the user base right now. You know, that's changing a little bit. But, you know, my, my worry was always people never heard of it and that, would, be a, that could be a blocker. But so now, you know, especially with, you know, when 7 came out, I, I mention it, but proudly mention it and then say, look, I'll show you. And, and you know, like I say, once I've then shown people, it's it's easy to get over that kind of initial concern they might have because they've actually seen it rather than me just saying, we use, we use a CMS called Umbraco and these companies use it and, and leaving it at that. It's better to actually, I think I find, it's better to get it out, show them, just show them how easy it is to use it so that they can actually get over that fear there, there and then. So it kind of stops, stops being a blocker. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And do you or do you find or... Or have you experienced the case where a client's like, no, no, we know what our technology is. It's not on Braco, and uh, you know they're strong enough on that. And and at that point, do you do you walk away? Depends what it is. So if it's you know if it's going to be quite a big site with a lot of integrations, and it's it's going to be a PHP based platform that they're going to use, then we've got partner agencies that we'll work with to kind of de- deliver on that. So. But generally, we just, we don't we don't white labour it or anything. Generally, we just pass it to another agency, and we kind of have a partnership, like a two way thing, going with other agencies to you know, to do similar things. If they they end up with something that's Microsoft based that they can't deal with, if it's another Microsoft based platform, then we we've got other agencies that we, or, or freelancers that we kind of work with to maybe deliver help deliver on some of that. It depends really how much is in it for us long term as a client. Whether it's worth us, you know, taking on a technology that we don't generally support day to day in the agency, but if it's Microsoft based, we feel pretty confident that we could would would be able to pick it up. But for the initial development, sometimes we'll use externals, you know, agencies or freelancers to help us 
to deliver on that initial piece of work. Yeah, to get over that lump of work and start. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. And so then the other, the, as you mentioned there, day-to-day and the ongoing, is that side of the business, I guess I'm thinking about the web design and website side, because obviously the content marketing it tends, would tend to be an ongoing relationship. But do you also do like, you know, maintenance and uh, sort of, you know, or, or, or have a long-term relationships of any type with their clients? Yeah, I guess, you know, running my own business and being, you know, an agency, for the first, you know, it wasn't, wasn't as a new thing to me when I first started. So, uh, you know, I'd have missed a trick for a few years, like with that. So, so yeah, we do now offer, uh, like what we call uh, managed support. So that's, they can, they can raise support queries and, uh, you know, any technical guidance, um, from, and we charge them a certain amount of, uh, money for that each month. But also we have a program what we call the, the continuous improvement program, which is, you know, the, the adage that, no, no website is ever finished, and we will, you know, minu- uh, at a minimum, have four hours a month in which we can help them kind of improve. Their- That's probably four hours is probably too small. Uh, I think probably as we get bigger, we'll make it a, a, a larger number. But for some of the some of our customers, that's enough to spend um, a month. So we'll do four hours a month, and we'll we'll let them roll it over up to three months, but no more because you know, the idea is that it's continuous improvement, and that you know the, the goal is that actually they can use any of the services within the agency for those four hours. So it could be on the marketing side to create some content, or it could be experience doing some A-B testing, creating landing pages, you know, whatever's appropriate. We'll, we'll put a program together for our client to work through and, you know, hopefully, you know, make better use of the, you know, the asset that they've now got that they spent a lot of money on. That's a, that's a really interesting, really positive way to phrase it as well. Continuous improvement rather than support or maintenance or something which sounds a bit more or which is a bit more sort of on the insurance protect side rather than on the grow and, uh, and improve side of, the, of that mindset. Yeah. So we split it. We, we, have, we actually have two. You know, we literally have two. So we have support, support and maintenance or managed support, as we call it. And then the continuous improvement. And so it's a kind of it's like a little menu of choice of the service you know, from the, the client can choose. Is that how that works? Yeah. So anything, and like I say, anything that we do in the agency or can help them with the agency, those hours are free to use to to help them yeah, improve their website in whatever whatever way that might be. So then, what about the future? What for, for Perceptive Flow and particularly thinking about technology, uh, sort of from in the Embraco side of things. What's what, what, what's the future? So, I mean, for us, I mean, we were reasonably early adopters of Umbraco Cloud or Umbraco as a service. It was for a while. So, I mean, all of our clients now, unless there's a reason they want to keep the the, the site in house, all of our clients are now Umbraco Cloud clients or or any new projects, should I say? We have migrated uh, existing clients. But any new projects from Umbraco Cloud by default just makes our life so much easier. And you know, we provide a discount for our clients if they choose the cloud-based solution essentially the, ho- the monthly hosting is uh, more expensive but uh, a little bit than, than how we were hosting for them before but it's you know, a few pounds versus you now like a, a 10 percent sort of discount on the project which, which amounts to a lot and a lot more so yeah i, I don't know have you used Umbraco cloud much yet I've, I, have, I haven't used it in battle so to speak i've only played with it and i'm really interested to hear that that, that you've fully gone for it what, what's the experience been like has there been i mean I'm, i've seen the demos in cold garden last year and stuff and i get really excited about some of this stuff but has there been any challenges or difficulties with you with, you know with different sites I, nothing i can think of like nothing there was nothing that was like really major so i mean there was a few i guess little bugs that we came across 
that we kind of raised with them, Racco, and they, they kind of sorted out in the next iteration or whatever. But that's, that's kind of the beauty of it, that they'll push through updates, you know, without you, you know, having to do a thing and uh, things will get fixed like that. So there's been minor things, but to be honest, not, not a lot. So, yeah, I mean, it's just great that you can spin up a project by press the click of a button through the portal. You've got a, then you've got a, an environment with a with a u, unique URL, and you can add additional environments to that, like the staging environment and um, testing environments, which um, can all sync. You get the, the the content flow situation where you know as soon as clients are ready to upload content, they can start uploading it, even if we're finishing the site and everything syncs together. So they you know they don't. There's no hold up. There's no waiting for us to finish every last bit of code before they start, you know, uploading their site. So, yeah, and, and deployment is, 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 you know, the click of a button now as well. And that's between two environments or between our local environment and, you know, an environment on, on Braco Cloud. Just a one, one, one click in Visual Studio and, and it's you know, pushed up. So, yeah, there's just so many benefits to us. And it's just... It just it, it's, it's always, it's, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm hands off on the development these days, but the pain on our developers' faces when they have to do like one that's not on Braco Cloud now, you know, and deploy something is just like, you know, because it's so easy now. They actually, the, the effort they have to go through just seems to, too much. But um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it just makes the whole, it just makes it so much smoother. And a quick change, you know, just need to make a quick change on something, and it's, it's just so easy to do. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, we love it. It's interesting as well that that you sort of saying it's worth so much to that you'll discount the other services, and I assume that means that what you're saying there is that like you're, it's saving you time and therefore it's worth you know, like it's still really worth that ten percent. Yeah, I guess there's two sides to it. It's one that it's, it, is, it is saving us time uh, and effort. Plus, we want people to be on it. Like we, over longer term, we want to be managing all our stuff in the cloud on on Braco Cloud, not not on a virtual server somewhere. And not, not with the pain of the deployment and stuff, like I said before. So it's kind of an incentive in a way that we want. We just want people to to be making that choice. But but yeah, it, it does save us. It, I can't remember. There's there's, there's a number that um, Bracco quoted as kind of how much time you spend in each kind of phase of work and how much you spend on deployment and configuration, setup and all those kinds of things. And I think it was bigger than ten percent was the amount saved. You know the, the amount of time that you things you wouldn't have to do uh, anymore. I can't, I can't remember the exact number. It was, might be like fifteen, eighteen, something like that percent. I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember where that came from. So for us, ten percent seemed like a like a good choice. Uh, and we went with it to see how you know for the first few projects. But it definitely does save us a lot of time. And like I say, it's, it's a bit of an incentive because we want people to be on that platform. Yeah, not just the time, but the, the sort of the stress and. Uh, the extra effort and, and then being able to put that energy and instead of faffing around with a broken deployment you can actually put that energy into providing something more interesting and more valuable in the questionnaire responses you mentioned the community um although uh, you know i'm very aware that it's growing and so on but do you see that as a challenge or as a strength within umbraco so there comes you know there comes times with umbraco where this you know you're, the answer's just not freely available out there on the web you know other platforms such as wordpress there's so many people using it that the problem you've encountered, probably someone's come across it before, and it's easy to find on the web. There's just times when you come across something and you're the first person and kind of have to kind of work through it yourself. And you know, to be fair, like the Embracker team are awesome at like, helping out with those kind of things. And, you know, we've raised bug, you know, plenty of 
uh, <laughs> should say plenty of lugs, but you know we raised bugs with Umbraco, and then they're pretty good at kind of what needs to be done and kind of help, helping us work with the workaround if if need be and things. So yeah, I guess that's sometimes it's just that the, it's not easy to find, always easy to find answers answers to problems that you might be you come across. So. You can get all the links and notes from this episode on happyporchradio.com. If you enjoyed the show, please spare a moment to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks for listening.